Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, ah, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, nuts? What the fuck, Australians? That was a long one, but it was an appropriate one. I am in Melbourne, Australia. But before I get into that, on the show today, Bobcat Goldthwaite sat down with me in the garage for a nice long conversation about uh, his life. I mean, he's been a little, been a bit under the radar lately, but uh, it was great talking to him. And again, I am in Melbourne. Did I mention that already? And I have to be honest with you. I, I really am having a nice time. And once I got past my preemptive withdrawal from my techno-narcissistic extensions and my global emotional reassurance grid on the plane with no Wi-Fi, thinking I would be stranded here in Australia, I, I am actually having, a, I, again, it's a great city, and I was sent home from this country, from this city, in 1992. I am getting closure. I am having a good time. I am at the, what is it, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, and I didn't know how it was going to go. I have an aversion, as you know, to traveling abroad. It's getting better as I do it more. I find that I'm more comfortable. I'm less freaked out. I mean, this plane ride must have been, I think it was, uh, it was like, a, how long was it? Like 15 hours, 20 hours, maybe 90 hours on an airplane and you fly into the future. However, I'm recording, the day hasn't happened for you. At, at this moment in time, when I'm recording this, America has not experienced the 17 hours that I've already experienced. I'm in the future right now and the future feels fine. There's no problems. I can't tell you who's going to win any games. But I do know it's a little different. It's a little difficult to call back in time to people uh, in America because they just they don't understand the future like I do. I'm finding that one of the keys to traveling uh, and one of the keys to being in another country, and this is just me, is to try to surround yourself with, with as many things as you understand as possible. Like what happens to me is I'll get into a habit. I'll find a coffee shop and then you develop a relationship with the coffee shop. I know where the supermarket is. So now I develop a relationship with that. And now I'm online. So now that was the big fear. Man, did I go through a panic for a little while. I was on the airplane from uh, Los Angeles to Australia. No, uh, no Wi-Fi. So I was literally without any connection to the world. I was flying over the ocean through time and space into the future with no connection to what we know is the future, which is the high-tech world of Twitter and emailing. And I got I to tell you, it was a little existentially lonely. It was a little difficult. Uh, when I landed in Australia, I was freaking out. I had to get my phone set up so I could you know, make phone calls in Australia. So now I could, if I have to, I can call the states, and it only cost me $90 for the first 30 seconds and $112 for every minute after that. I can text for, I think, $60 a text going out, and $49 for text coming in. So I'm all set. Uh, if God forbid I need to call somebody because I need help, it, it might bankrupt me. That's the position I'm in. If I use my phone, I could go broke. But in all honesty, Melbourne is a beautiful city. It happens to be sunny right now. We're experiencing a sunny 15-minute spell, a 15-minute sunny spell. I've learned that being in Australia, in Melbourne specifically, that if it's sunny, you know, don't count on it. Because in about 10 minutes, it could start hailing. 
Uh, that's happened a few times. The comics have been great. I could live here. I swear to God, I could live here. I've developed a taste for Vegemite. I didn't think I would, but I went out to the uh, supermarket. I've got all the things that I like to eat compulsively. That makes me comfortable. I think that's the key to international travel. Finding and figuring out a way to order coffee in the culture that you are in. If it's complicated, it's a little complicated here. Uh, What we know as an Americano is a long black. Uh, What we know as a cappuccino is a uh, cappuccino. Uh, What we know as a double shot is just saying strong. So once you figure out that, you crack the coffee code, you're good. You're in. The rest is, the rest is gravy. Surround yourself with compulsive uh, food to eat for when you get home late at night and uh, you want to reward yourself in an appropriate way. How about Tim Tams? That's, a, that's an issue. Never thought I'd have that issue, the Vegemite Tim Tams issue. My first show here, someone threw a box of Tim Tams up here. There are uh, these biscuits, as they call cookies here, that are chocolate cookies with the uh, stuff on the inside and uh, if you open the package, uh, it's, a, it's a national law that you have to plow through the entire package. So I had a sort of Tim Tam apocalypse while I was here. But nonetheless, all that aside, I'm having a lovely time. I'm reconnecting with friends. There's some Americans here. I saw Maria Bamford in the elevator. And just between us, she was with her parents. I just met Maria Bamford's parents. I saw the source, the well of where it came from. And you know what? Very pleasant people. They were very pleasant people. We had a lovely elevator ride. That The elevator doors didn't close at first, so I was stuck in an elevator with Maria Bamford and her parents. And uh, it, was a little, it was interesting because none of us knew what was going to happen, how long we were going to stand there, and what could happen. And Maria said, uh, what if we're stuck up here for two days? That'd be okay. And I said, uh, I, I'm not sure that would be okay. But we get some material. Am I right? Yes, I think I am. She was great. I went and watched her. I went and watched uh, Simon Munnery. I ran into my friend Greg Fleet, who uh, is doing a show here. I'm doing his show tonight. I'm hoping to see uh, Daniel Kitson, uh, Felicity Ward. There's a lot of people. The thing about festivals, and and one of the reasons why I think I always had a problem with them, is that they are not the Mark Maron Festival, and that's uh, difficult for me to accept. I mean, these festivals, there's literally, there's got to be a couple of hundred acts, and there's a big chalkboard where they write all the acts that are going to be for- performing on any given day in exactly the same size lettering for every act. And when you see 200 shows on a blackboard and yours is just there with the rest of them, you think, I'm meaningless. I'm just another name on a blackboard of the, the great slate of comedy. But uh, I got past that. It doesn't all have to be about me. Yes, you heard me say that, and you can quote me on that. It doesn't have to be about me. I'm having a great time. Are you guys going to be able to accept that I'm having a good time? I just ate Vegemite on rice crackers. I did that. That's where I'm at. That's what's happening here. Uh, What else do I want to tell you? Oh, I do want to tell you this. A lot of you people are coming to the podcast uh, at new. You're new to the podcast, and there's some episodes that you'd like to have but maybe can't get at. Either you don't have an app or you don't want to sign up for the premium on, uh, on the site. But uh, now at WTFPodShop.com, we have made available the, uh, the Louis C.K. episodes, parts one and two, Judd Apatow, parts one and two, Ben Stiller, uh, you can purchase there. Uh, David Tell is up there. Dane Cook is up there. Andy Richter is up there. And of course, uh, Robin Williams, Carlos Mencia, parts one or two. And then the uh, four or five uh, episodes we did at live, uh, the live at comic series are all available at WTFPodShop.com. 
I also wanted to tell you that I'm getting closure on that horrendous event that happened to me in 1992 when I was sent home from Australia. I've returned to Melbourne. It's been a, a great run so far. There's only been four shows, no problems. A lot of what the fuckers coming up, a lot of people hanging out. Some dude took me out to dinner. I trusted a fan to take me out to dinner. It was a little, it was a little uh, touchy at first. Uh, I was there after a show. No one, was, no one else was around. Everyone had gone away. And this guy said, do you want to get something to eat? And I had that moment where I'm like, um, I do want to get something to eat. But he's a nice guy. You know why? Because what the fuckers, what the fuck fans are great people. And I believe that to be true. Because if you like me, then I like you. That didn't come out right. How you doing, Bobby? I'm doing okie doke. There was that moment. Hi. That <laughs> moment where, you know, you did so... We got such great feedback on the live one. People were like, holy shit, where the hell has he been? He's never been funnier. What's oh, he been doing? Well, Pashaw. Yeah. <laughs> For reals, for reals. Well, like, thanks. That's nice. Thank I mean, you. are you finding that now that uh, you go out and you're like, "Where the fuck has he been?" And God damn it, he's so funny. Um, no, I, I, you know, I go out and I do stand up, and and uh, it's very weird. I go out and I always get introduced as a, a comedy legend, which, uh, yeah. yeah, which is like I feel like yeah. <laughs> Babe the Blue Ox well, should be I, with me. And... Yeah, I always feel like uh, when they say legend, uh, you should feel you should say I'm not dead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's something about it's uh, veterans. Another one. <laughs> Veteran, well, yeah, it's the worst. Like comedy veterans, comedy or... veteran. Uh, yeah, the the, uh, the now the comedy stylings of, uh, of veteran Bob Scratch yeah. Goldfarb. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be a, a wily coot <laughs> talking about uh, what it was like uh, when Charlie was all around. No, yeah. I uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. now I'm catching up with your show. Now I've yeah. always avoided your show. Why? Um, you know why? Because I was under the impression, uh, falsely, that it was dissecting comedy, and that that I really don't like it when people take comedy serious. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's no, like, I, I I never uh, I never set out to do that. But like you know, I mean, like I, I get asked to be in movies where they talk about comedy or books where they talk about comedy. Oh, documentaries, yeah. And I really I don't have any interest. I I loathe it. It it, it it's um. Like when people say, like, when do you choose to uh, raise the pitch of the funny voice? Uh, or, or <laughs> when you first, uh, when you, when did you first realize that you were uh, biting uh, Grover style, <laughs> which really did happen to me when I was directing the Kimmel show. Grover was on the show. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the puppet. Yeah. Not, not Washington. Sure. I don't know. Sure. Grover. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's just laying on the floor when I show up for work. And he's like all akimbo, and yeah. he looked like yeah. a suicide. He looked like a, a Ouija yeah, photo, yeah, 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 a yeah, crime yeah. photo. Yeah. Like, and uh, and I go to the puppeteer. I go, yo, that's 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 really fucking up my shit big time. Can you put that puppet on? And the, and Grover goes, uh, hi, Bobcat. And I really became a kid. I go, oh, uh, uh, hi, Grover. I did that, yeah. and everyone thought I was lying. Yeah. But I go, uh, hi, Grover. And then the other thing was, I was like, oh, this is clearly where I got my act. Like, you, but like, you, but like you, as a kid, I was probably watching Grover going, I like his chops. The guy's got good, <laughs> he's got good stuff. But you don't remember being conscious of that. No, but I do remember as a kid, um, I never, like, I used to do different voices and characters a little bit. Like, I don't know what the character was, but I was like, my mother got really mad once in a store, whatever the character I was doing that day. Yeah. Um, 
apparently someone thought I was challenged and and this woman comes up to my mother and she goes you must have so much patience <laughs> my mother's going these people think you're special knock it off my mother's really upset so obviously a bobcat goldthwait is in my garage right now yeah I've never been this is really nice I and like uh, we had that moment out on the deck where uh, you looked uh, wistfully out and it reminded me of a deck I once owned yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like you know I'm on the I'm on the road a lot I mean, yeah. it's like and I and 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 like it's hard promoting it because you're going you know there's a connection I make with a live audience mm-hmm. that I don't get when I'm directing and I uh, I ran out of money ladies and gentlemen <laughs> yeah. this is this is the alimony tour you know when you see me on the road we're all paying for a pool that none of us swimming I- <laughs> That, that sounded dirty. I'm not implying my ex-wife's vagina is the size of a pool. Yeah, but, you know, if the shoe fits, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> if the <laughs> vagina fits, right? <laughs> if the arm Kapow. fits. No, but, so, uh, so oh, really, so there, there is some of that is part of your incentive? Because that's not an unusual story. No, no. Yeah, I was listening to uh, Dave Foley. Uh, Dave Foley, oh, yeah. that was, uh, was and, and, heartbreaking. Uh, yeah, I, it cheered me up. Oh, good. <laughs> at, least like, I'm, at least I'm not that bad off. Yeah, I was like, three grand a month. That's peanuts, you know. But when I first met you, it was in Boston. And uh, I don't know if I really met you because we talked about this a little bit on the live one that you were you were sort of peeking there. And I watched you do your your garage. I was. Yeah, I was in Boston and I was leaving. So I had a garage sale. You had mentioned. Uh, Yeah. On the the stage (laughs) of stitches. And it really was all my crap from my house. And then I just sold it. But but when I first started in stand up in Boston, I would do stuff like. I, you know, I didn't do traditional stand-up because by the time I was 17, 18, I, I was over stand-up. You but, know what what ha- but, but that's interesting because, uh, you know, not many people start at that age. Even now, uh, there, are, there are people that start young, but there's a couple of guys that I know, Louis C.K.'s one, and I didn't realize that you would, and Dana Gould as well, I mean, who literally started as teenagers. So yeah. where, where were you? Like 15, Tom Kenny and myself, was we were doing dates with Barry Crimmins at 15 years old and- up in well, skin, uh, Skinny Atlas, but in Syracuse, New York. And and uh, you, you were in high school? We were in high school. People were like, you know, worried about uh, prom dates, and I was trying to get my Letterman 10 together. You know what I mean? Were you like, really? Well, not Letterman, but we were working on our acts. You so know? were you doing a team thing with Tom? Who was No, that? no. It wasn't ever like, hey, I'm Bobcat, and I'm Tomcat, and you, you both... just made the cat connection. Uh-huh. No, no, it was, uh, uh, you know, the, the real genesis of the name I never really talk about because it's a little long. I'll try to do it fast, but Barry Crimmins. Have to. We have time. Yeah. Barry Crimmins, super genius. The great uh, political set. So Barry's always been kind of a a mentor of mine, and I met him when I was 15. But Barry comes in one day when we're doing the show, and he's like, you know, I want to be called Bearcat. That's what my friends call me, Bearcat. And and Tom Kenny and myself being sarcastic pricks are like, oh, that's funny because I'm Tomcat and I'm Bobcat. And he's like, really? Yeah. So so they started introducing us, right? And and now 30 years later, uh, they're Tom and Barry and I'm Bobcat. So the joke backfired. But but the funny thing was, just about a year ago, he, he, he found that out. He was really pissed. That you were just busting his balls? Yeah, he's like, you motherfucker, you snide little pricks. You <laughs> you had to get dropped off at the comedy show. Couldn't even drink. Couldn't e- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck. You know, he just went on the, and you were making fun of me. I even defended that. <laughs> That's funny. That's, uh, that he'd still be pissed off about it, oh, or yeah. newly pissed off about yeah, it. Yeah, he was. He, he should have been. But... Well, he's a cranky bastard sometimes. Um, uh, I I think now he's kind of uh, more lighter than you. No, definitely. He's a, but, you know he. But he's, he's a you know my favorite Barry joke is uh, people say Barry uh, if you don't like living in America why why don't you leave it and he goes because I I don't want to be a victim of its foreign uh, policies. Yeah. <laughs> 
You know, I remember when he used to do jokes about um, what was it? True cigarettes. They have the diagram of the filter, yeah, the, the and look, that's that's the valve they're going to put in, put your, in heart. your heart. Yeah, so. uh, yeah. And I and I remember him hosting that regular show. I think it was like Wednesday nights at Stitches. I think it was after you had gone. But out of all the people to be supportive at the beginning, I mean, he was kind of a hard to please kind of guy, yeah. and he definitely had standards about stand up. Yeah. Now, when you were doing it at fifteen, you know, had you evolved the character, or were you just doing straight stand up? No, I would do. I would do really. Embarrassing stand-up. I wish I well, had tapes well, I of mean, it. Well, I mean, everyone starts somewhere. I know, but I mean, like you know, and and clearly, like you could see who I was influenced by. But um, who was it? Um, well, it was like probably me trying to do Steve Martin and Andy Kaufman and uh-huh. stuff like that, and a little David Brenner. No, um, so 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 <laughs> you do something uh, really weird and go, "Am I right, people?" So uh, I used to convince a lot. Yeah. So I went on a, I would go on stage and I would do these things more than stand-up. Like I would go. This is the part of the show where I like to gut and clean a fish. You know, I'd come somewhat out of character, and then my roommate would have a, a fish. Yeah. This is like a herring or whatever we'd sure. buy. And then one night at the dingo, the herring had rotted. And uh, so I start gutting this fish on stage, and it's putrid, and there's fish guts, and this woman vomits. So I put the mic down. She vomited? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I put the mic down so you could hear her vomiting over the blah, blah, blah. Really? And then, yeah, and then I go, and then I'm like, thank you, good night. And there's fish guts in it. And the next guy. Uh, uh, it stunk the whole place up. Yeah, but then the next comic, uh, you know, had to come on and go, hey, you know, uh, yeah. relationships are weird, sure. you know. <laughs> As they're he's, cleaning he's a, up puke and yeah. there's a stink of fish. So you were he's under 20 entrails. when you came to Boston? Yeah, I used my brother's ID to do comedy when I was when I really first started. So, now, what did which you... was helpful, like, if I bombed. Boy, that Jim Goldthwait's not. <laughs> funny he stinks. I, I talked my brother out of the business <laughs> I, I hear his brother bob's hilarious but he just doesn't do it around here so i mean were your parents into it i mean what kind of family you come from well my old man was uh uh like kind of a performance artist uh but on a uh suburban level like he would uh and all of his pieces were fueled by budweiser or jenny cream ale and he would jenny cream jenny cream or, or crazy there get the cream ale there you know bob yeah. you know uh geez steven my was in a snowmobile accident there christ so uh so he would uh he would do things like, uh, just like, I'll give you like his greatest hits. Like he'd yeah. be kind of bombed and then he'd put on like a, a special costume they always would change and climb to the top of the refrigerator and he'd have an open jar of mayonnaise yeah. and, and he would convince the neighborhood that he was going to jump into the jar of mayonnaise. And like the would, neighborhood would come to your house? Yeah, he'd have the doors open and be like, a, uh, yeah, like, you Come know. on, really? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and then there was always some sort what of- What kind te- of outfit? And then he'd be, oh, he was always like, he <laughs> like uh, he had a pair of, of uh, waders, you know, those rubber, sure, yeah. but he cut off the legs, yeah. so they just like like rubber leader hosing. Yeah. <laughs> Usually a crash helmet, maybe <laughs> really? a towel. Sure, as a cape. And he would do one was, uh, I remember when he tried to jump the above ground swimming pool with a ramp that he built. On a bike? Yeah, on a dirt bike. And he kept going up and down the ramp like Evil Knievel would uh-huh. do it. And, yeah, yeah. Oh, and everybody was out of their minds because it really looked like he was going to do it. Yeah. And what he was doing was running out the gas. So he would do these really long and involved <laughs> setups. Setups. And never tell people, oh, it's a, it's a joke. You know, I'm not really crazy. So, I mean, obviously, that influenced and me. And how old were you when this was going on? I was little. I and mean, when I was really little, it's terrifying because you don't know that your dad's goofing around, that he's not really going to jump out of the white birch tree. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Did he wear goggles and stuff? He like would have he... different costumes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, what, who was he doing this for exactly? It would be like, you know, the neighborhood. Like, we, we were all friends. So, so the neighbor, you know, the kids Everyone from all the neighbors. Sure. Usually... So he wanted to entertain the kids. And... Yeah, and there was also like keg parties would break out often, like at my home. My oldest brother, Tommy, was a biker. So we used to have bikers, uh, big Harleys always all over the front. Real yard. biker? Like, uh, yeah, real bikers. Evil bikers or. Well, not like I didn't realize bikers. You didn't fuck with them because I grew up with them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Until yeah. later, I realized, oh no, they're they're like bears at the dump. You know, yeah, they yeah. they look cool, but just stay in your car and, and don't, <laughs> right. don't fucking get out of the car. Keep they the women in the car. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's because I grew up with guys like Low Life was one of the friends. And I remember my mother. So you had bikers. So there were there were women like showing their boobs and stuff around the house. I mean, I always picture like biker magazine. No, and, no. What was, was that biker magazine called? Uh, Easy Rider. Easy Rider. Yeah. So no, it was more like um, there. Be like a guy would come over, like yeah, this one guy, low life, and he has a shirt that says Harley's the best, fuck the rest. And my mother's going, You're not wearing that shirt in this house, low life. And my mother, my mother never knew all name, their names, yeah, yeah. Name? but she was also because my brother Tommy was a genius at giving the nuns nicknames, yeah. And my mother accidentally slipped and called one nun Sister Bucky. Listen, Sister Bucky, because <laughs> that was my brother Tommy, no one knew their real names. So, my brother Tommy, oh, yeah, they would have these. Uh, I remember oh, all so many stories. So, I grew up with my brother who was a and, and just two of you? No, no. And I have another brother who's an AD, uh, an assistant director, which is really perfect because- He uh, was as a child? or uh, Well, yeah, because we work now as, as a team. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. He was the guy like, if everybody could just calm down, we could bring out the birthday cake in five. And I mean it, a real five, all right? We're going to go down for inserts of the kids opening the presents again. We didn't get it. So uh, so we worked together. And uh -huh. It's really funny. Now you do. Yeah, as I'm directing. And Tommy's still a biker. No. Oh, no. Tommy passed away. Oh, he, sorry. Uh, his uh, trailer burnt up. So, uh, yeah. Uh. It's really, it, it was horrible. And it's also really strange. Like What, what, just ha what happened? I don't know. He lived I mean, in a trailer. Yeah, I mean, he 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 was really involved in drugs and yeah. stuff, and 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 you know, and and he was definitely as a kid, he was like my hero, and then these drugs just took over, you know, and and um, it was sad. I mean, he was a very colorful guy. He was a very colorful guy even when he used. He had tons of friends. And Isn't stuff. that funny though? When you have an older brother that they define your life somehow. Like, you know, your music choices. Oh, my goodness. Your... Yeah. My and, brother my brother and... used to, like, come to dinner and would stab a salt potato yeah. and use it as a microphone and sing, you know, and get the whole family singing songs. Or he, on the school bus, he'd get the whole bus singing the Banana really? Splits theme. Yeah, man. And I, you know, he was really charismatic. Did he have records and stuff? And Oh, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, and, and I, he would take me to concerts. Like, oh, really? I remember, yeah, one of his, uh, his friend Big Mitch, who was a former Big Green Mitch Beret, oh, yeah. was on acid and um was driving us to the Almond Brothers concert and suddenly was having flashbacks. From Nam? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and no. I don't know if it's comedy or for real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he was trying to kill Charlie and stuff. Freaking out? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was my upbringing. But my brother passed away, and I'll tell this story, and I'm trying to do it politely, but one of his pallbearers was a, a, uh, a little person. So... I don't. No one gives me the heads up that he's a pallbearer. Yeah. So I look down at the end of the church, yeah. and there's Ricky. Yeah. And I said to my daughter, "I go. It looks like Ricky's riding a subway." Because <laughs> you said, uh, "Yeah." And my it. daughter starts losing it. Yeah. And she's like, going, "I think he just got air," you know. And so the priest is up, and the priest is talking about, "Oh my, you know, Tom loved the nature. He loved the wilderness. He loved this." And I went on after the priest, and I was like. Father, I don't want to be rude, but uh, uh, 
Tommy didn't love animals because he said, oh, he loved animals. I go, he liked to kill animals. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, yeah. He had this home at one point, and I drove out with Tony V to see yeah. if uh, I'd given him some money to put new windows in. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to make sure he bought the windows and then smoke them, you know. So so I go out, you know, where the money went. So I went and, and looked at the windows, and Tony didn't know my, my brother. And there's crazy corn growing up, like, like psychotically, all around the whole house. Yeah, yeah. There's no rows. Yeah. And uh, psycho corn in there. Yeah. He goes, oh, what's that about, Tony? He goes, what's that about? My brother goes, oh, it's the deer. Yeah. He's like, oh, oh, you, you help feed him? He goes, feed him? I'm going to blast him. <laughs> so I go upstairs, and one of the bathroom windows is broken. I go, Tommy, what happened to this window? He goes, yeah, I had a little problem with recoil, Bobby. <laughs> so my brother was sitting on the toilet shooting deer. He's like, hey, want to go hunting? Yeah, meet me in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd eat him, and he'd gut him, and everything. Oh, sure, sure. And the game warden was always coming by. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he'd bait them with the corn and shoot them off the toilet. <laughs> sure, why not? Why? Oh, then we're leaving. Tony goes, he goes, he's like, going, you got to get me out of here. Your brother's certifiable. <laughs> so we're leaving, and Tony's going, what is that? Is that like a woodchuck? What is that across the street? And my brother goes, yep. And before we make it down the end of the driveway, yeah. here, kablam! And Tony's like, I fingered that woodchuck. I fingered the woodchuck. I remember once I was doing. His show and two of his fiancés yeah. showed up at the same show. Two of his brother's fiancés? Yeah, and I was in there here, like glasses break, yeah. and, 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 and I go, hey, what's going on over there? And he's like, Bobby, you just keep going, Bobby. <laughs> you just keep going, <laughs> little Bobby. You don't need nothing. And they had knives out there. Was, uh, the two chicks did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. So when I said my brother was a biker, yeah, he was. He was the a, real deal. Yeah, that was a real deal. So yeah. there were three of you in this household. And then my older sisters. Oh, yeah. you, got, you got sisters, too? Yeah, yeah. Wow. My, my yeah. Sister, How many kids? There's five of us. It was a Catholic family, so uh -huh. that's a, a small Catholic family. Now, was there ever a point where your dad sort of shifted gears and just became like a, you know, a, a drunken maniac? No, my dad uh, stopped drinking, but my old man also, at, in retirement, he became a magician. <laughs> he was Tom oh, Terrific. Yeah. Tom Terrific. Yeah. And, uh, you know, whatever. It, yeah. it, it's Tom not so terrific. Yeah, like yeah, his yeah. tricks always fell apart. <laughs> It was great. So I had him open for me once. And he, yeah, and he's bombing. And so I get out. The, I walk out and says, "Go, hey, look at this is my dad. You people shut the fuck up." And, and so then he starts killing. And he's going, "I go, okay, dad, do two more tricks." He goes, "What's that? Five more?" You know? Oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember I, I taken uh, uh, one of my exes over to meet him, and he puts her head in a guillotine that he made in the basement. Oh no. And then this yeah. bolt falls off. No. <laughs> She's still in it. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh could have saved me a lot of grief. <laughs> I mean, that, he wouldn't. That have, one, he first... wouldn't have killed her, but right. he would have. Uh, I I was married once, and then I I, I met you on the show. I was engaged for five and a half years before, and then, right. and now I've got the uh, the new wife. I like her, the 09. So two wives. No, one wife. Yeah, two wives. Two right. wives. But yeah. uh, I like I, I like to think this is uh, the the real one. This is gonna. This is this one's got legs. It's a weird thing that even I imagine that even your first wife that it was, as crazy as it might have been initially, it must have been great. Well, you are drawn together. I mean, you sure. know, it's not like you know you go. But I think my first wife and I like. Uh, I think it was like, wow, you hate me as much as I do. You know, the, oh, I think yeah. that's what we that's had in probably, common. Right, that's probably why you were attracted <laughs> you hate to me. her. I hate me too. Sure, sure. Oh, we have so much in yeah, common. Perfect. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm a, a little flinchy, you know. Right. It's just, uh, I think it, also maturity and you get older and stuff. Yeah, yeah the energy starts to, to fade. You don't have the energy don't for have the it. drama. <laughs> no, I got the energy for sex, but I don't have the energy for the drama. It's exhausting. It feels weird. 
So by so you moved to Boston when you were what eighteen? I moved there when I was eighteen. I started doing comedy. I got on Letterman when I was twenty. I got in those. But like so, the Ding Ho. I mean, let's I mean, let's talk about that because I you know I haven't talked about that uh, much on this show at all because I think you're the only one of that generation, that Boston, the original Boston stand up scene, modern stand up scene that I've talked to. And I got to Boston. I did a couple of open mics there when I was in college. Now the Ding Ho was a Chinese restaurant in Cambridge. Right. And it was, you know, it was the place where, I mean, the crew was really, was you, Lenny Clark, Kevin Meany, uh, Kenny Rogerson, um, Steve Sweeney, Steve Sweeney, Dennis Sweeney Leary, Stephen, Stephen Wright, Stephen Wright, Paula Poundstone. Paula Poundstone. Paula Poundstone, the first time I went there was the door woman. And then she, she, oh, she worked the and door? And then she got up on stage, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is an amazing- Jimmy Tingle. Yeah, and, Jimmy and Tingle. And then, like, I was, like, the second wave with people like Tony B and myself. And actually, Leary and was kind Spencer. of- uh, Dan Spencer. And, and Tom Kenny a little bit, but- Right, because this, and it was just really a room, a bar, connected to a Chinese restaurant. Sure. And there was always stories like I missed out on the, the whole color. Uh, all I remember is going up there once and, and Lenny Clark was hosting. And he did uh, he did literally 45 minutes in between acts. In between acts, yeah. Sure. Like, and, and you're sitting there waiting to go on an open mic. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And by the time you go on, it's like they're closing up and there's no one left. But it was also just like really crazy. I mean, it was like, you How know, so? Well, I mean, you know, I remember once uh, walking to the gig and some bartender, she made the mistake of putting a Christmas tree on the stage as if it was going to be like, oh, well, cheer the, up the yeah, boys. Yeah. And yeah. I'm walking down the street going to the ding and I see the tree come flying through the door. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and it was Christmas, you know. So then I came up on stage with a branch. Oh, by the way, I'll talk, tell this story really quick. Like a few years ago, I had a Christmas tree after a breakup, and you're going, I have no sentimental attachment to these bulbs. So yeah. I say to uh, uh, Sarah, who's my wife now, I was like, I'm gonna go get a BB gun and shoot the tree, you know. So I end up being a crack shot. I'm a big indoor BB gun enthusiast, <laughs> and I shot the Christmas tree. Did you just shot the ornaments? Yeah, yeah. It was a blast. About eleven bulbs in, she goes, "Give me that gun." <laughs> she starts shooting the tree too. Oh, really? But yeah. So I remember That's like sort of like a closure thing. It's yeah, sort of an exercise. In, it was uh, so much fun out with the old. Yeah, man. It yeah. was. Uh, and then uh, I told the landlady, "There's gonna be some noise." <laughs> so was it a pellet gun? Out the window. Oh, you did. So, so when we were in uh, the dingho, so in like I remember like and and I don't talk about this, but your, your, what year your is this? Nineteen seventy nine? No, no, like eighty one, okay, eighty one. But I, I I will mention it here because it seems this is a much different program. It's like I don't drink, I don't take drugs, I don't tell people not to. That's my thing. Sure. But I stopped when I was nineteen. But when I was nineteen, I was doing drugs at the dingho. Yeah, and I remember once sitting there and uh, like doing lines off the bar at the Ding Ho and we would cover up all the windows with, with cardboard boxes so yeah. we could party all night. Yeah. And, uh, and you guys just opened the taps and yeah, we're just Yeah, yeah it was the, the yeah. bedlam. The yeah. uh, maniacs were yeah. running the asylum. So we, we were just partying and and, and, um, and I remember the door cracks open and, and three cops are silhouetted with daylight and there's smoke and, there's, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to jail. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they go... Lenny, how the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> the fucking cops come in and just yeah. start partying with us. Get yeah. out. Of course. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Lenny, you fucking, fucking Lenny. Hey, yeah. Well, those guys you know, had to- Ricky, this is tuna, you know, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but it would be a lot of really crazy, crazy stories Well, that whole Clark like crew, man. I mean, you know, Mark Clark- Used to run the door sometimes, the youngest brother, right? And Mike Clark, the older brother, used to book. Yeah. And Lenny was a comic. I didn't the know Clark, any of it. Yeah, yeah. but there, I remember once uh, uh, at, um, 
I remember once, you know, here's the other thing. It's like, I'm not really ever into uh, this whole thing of like, like who's a thief and who's derivative. I, sure. I, I, I've never spent too much energy on it. Right. Because. Uh, well, I can guarantee, I can tell you that uh, your joke about uh, some new guy doing it. Right. Uh, I've seen two or three times. Yeah. And I've seen people do bits of mine and yeah. stuff or, or even do versions. Of I saw them. one recently. I've I, seen people was, that do a version of my persona and stuff. And, and I don't, I don't get. I don't, is Mitch Fattel still doing that? Right. Yeah. I remember <laughs> I was, I was at his show once. And yeah, I didn't know I that he about that. Uh, and what? I didn't know that he did uh, a knockoff of it. I don't really care, I, you know, sure. whatever. And and so he was doing that. And then I got up to go to bathroom, and he and he doesn't know me or, right. or who or whatever. And he goes, he goes, where are you going? I've been on TV. And I go, yeah, uh, I've been on TV too. And I was doing that same character. <laughs> Didn't, oh my god what happened <laughs> oh it's really great well i've done that a lot though i remember years ago back in the day i was this guy was uh like kicking people off stage and doing a set you know what i mean uh-huh. like this guy was at igby's and he was just really right wing and i really didn't like him and he yeah. kept implying this woman oh you you like she was you know like oh you're retarded blah, blah, blah. i go no she's not laughing because you haven't done anything funny he goes uh-huh. what was that you didn't think that was funny i go no i said you haven't done anything funny <laughs> he goes, no, this is back. My ego's way out of check, and it's like in the 80s. Yeah. He goes, well, who the fuck are you? I go, I'm a comedian that if I walk up on that stage, the crowd's going to be so much happier to see me than you. <laughs> you know what? Fuck, I will. <laughs> I walk up on stage, I go, get the fuck off the stage. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so was that like at the peak of the career? Yeah, yeah, and the crowd went oh, nuts, you that's know? that's fucking beautiful. But uh, uh, smash cut to my life now, you know, yeah, yeah, San you. Marcos Island, <laughs> doing a... <laughs> Performing in a fish restaurant comedy. <laughs> Come club. on, dude. But you I'm get... not. I don't have a pity party. You know, I have like such a. Uh... No, but the weird thing is, is that like you know what what became clear when you did the live show is that you know your chops are great, your material's still great, people still love you and remember you, and you're one of those people that I think everyone always respected and they really loved. And then even when you you just show up, I mean, you know how to be on stage. I mean, the difference between. You know, you taking a stage and, and like there was that other show we did up in San Francisco where there were some younger dudes there. They were doing fine. But when you get up there, there's very few people of, of your ilk that can live up to the excitement of people just seeing you. Well, like you get to a certain point where people are like, oh, it's him. And then like after that first three minutes, like, oh, yeah. Well, he, well I, I thank you. That's a, a big compliment. But I, I, uh, I, I it's part of it is like this working class ethic. You know, I got to do a show for the people. You know, I mean, like I really do have that in my head. So even when I when I may not be into it or even whatever, you know, I, I do I do try to work. But right. but at the same time, it's really funny. I, I'm much more creative now f- doing, you know, writing my screenplays and things like of that. Of course. No, no, but the thing that's funny is that I'm also still, I'm writing more stand-up now, which is brand new, which is really weird. Well, but, but the thing is, is like there's something so, you know, immediate and, and something so, uh, to have a direct conversation with an audience and, 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 uh, and have it be honest, which I, it, it seemed to me that there was a point in your career if we, like, I don't know when you decided on the character. I mean, when when you talk about doing drugs at 18, I mean, what, what was it at that? When did you hit the wall shortly after that? You know, just like, you know, you don't stop because because it's going well. You know, I no, mean, no, I and, get that and but... as a kid, I was just like, you know, I, I, I was just taking drugs and drinking and and I'd end up in jail and all that kind of stuff. Right. And, and it just, you know. But did someone reach out to you? Was it that moment where it's the... the no, way? it was more more like going, wow, I really can't do this. And, and so I'm going to uh, I'm gonna go get some help. I'm so, going to go to the boo-hoo meetings. And you did it. But, and you stayed sober that long. So you've been sober 30 years. 
twenty nine. I realized. I thought it was thirty, but I, I I even counted wrong. Now, when did the character take shape? I mean, I, you know, coming out of doing Kaufman and cutting up fish and everything else. I mean, when yeah. did you realize that you could time your jokes with that with that, that intonation? That, well, I think it was all all at the same time. You know, first it was this guy. I'd come on stage and I'd. I'd read a Dear John letter. That's kind of really the birth of it. Well, that and another character. But I'd go on there, and it was a real Dear John letter, and I'd be crying, and I'd be like, and you people want to hear jokes? You know? yeah. Two guys walk into you know, oh, right, right, and, I, and right. I'd be crying. And, oh, so it came from this fake crying? Well, it was real crying. I mean, I was really sincere. You know, yeah. i just stay in this character. But then when I got performing on stage and people were making fun of the persona, I, I it became mean, and he became... He he became angry, and I, I sound like Jerry Lewis now, you know, oh, they, <laughs> you know guy, talking in third person. Guy. But it became like I didn't want people to think I was making fun of this persona, uh, I, so it, it became angry to You're, defend itself in rough clubs. The, and but okay, and that that was before you became big. In other words, that 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 the edge to the character developed itself. Out sure, of, I mean out those of clubs in Boston were so rough. Yeah, oh, yeah so oh, that's yeah. where it was. That was that's, so when it start when the character started snapping, that's when it became and people liked it. Right. You know, which right. is really weird. Well, there's a safety in it. It's amazing that when you can really be angry on stage oh my and still be funny, however it's possible, that, oh. that's a gift. And it's also very lucrative, but it's it the the, the but I'm not willing to do that anymore. You know, no, I understand that. Because it's like the the, the it, it's um you know, I say it like a bar never emptied out because they said two guys are getting along in the parking lot. Right. You know, so yeah. so <laughs> it is you know, so I made a decision maybe ten years ago where I said, Okay, I'm not gonna celebrity bash too much and I'm not gonna say things that incite just to incite. Like if I'm gonna say something, I'm gonna say it because I believe in it and that's right. it. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And, and uh it was a big metamorphosis. And then a few years ago I said, Okay, even if people are expecting this persona, I'm not gonna do that anymore. You know, and, and uh and you know, plenty of places, plenty of markets I perform. There's people going, You do the voice you know um but but i kind of stick to my guns but i mean but is it like a like because i remember initially when you stopped doing the voice what what was the the sort of arc of that hitting the wall was it that around the, the jay leno thing and everything else when you no, did... i think like setting the tonight show on fire or something else it's like it, it's like i was still in this mode of like trying to make it <laughs> but, but, you, but you'd already no, made, but I had it, right? made it but like you know what i mean like um well, let's get let's go let's do the timeline so you're in boston you're 18 you stay there till you're 20 you got the letterman hit yeah, and then I got in like police academy. Oh, before all that though, I went to San Francisco and I was like, I, I started performing on Alex Bennett's radio show. And I but was, you did Letterman before you went to San Francisco. Yeah, but but still, it was really weird. I did one Letterman. I went into San Francisco, started doing Bennett's radio show a lot, and then I was playing theaters and stuff. You know? So that that when Alex Bennett's radio show was still vital and defined the San Francisco comedy yeah. scene, that's where you took off. You became yeah. like a hometown hero, and yeah. then and that was it. Yeah, which was weird because I didn't really live there, and then they got mad when I, I moved to Hollywood. But that, well, well, that's an interesting thing, though. They'll take ownership of you very quickly, San Francisco, because you really <laughs> you, you blew up there. So yeah. that, on some level, and a lot of people did that from Boston, like because of those Ding Ho people, like Meanie, Meanie, and Poundstone, yeah, right? True, yeah, and uh, and you. Those yep. three and Dana Gould, I yeah, think, too. Yeah, definitely, yeah. So those three, four that started and there, did they all follow you or did you all show up there? No, Poundstone was first. The first time I, I played San Francisco, I was featuring for her, which is such a weird, insane bill. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, what, 82, 83? Yeah. I remember in San Francisco, people would hear me on the radio show, so they wanted to see what I looked like. So I started performing in a cardboard box. 
And then by the end, they'd be really mad. I go, do you want to see what I look like? And I'd cut a slit in the box and put an 8x10 out. And then I said goodnight, and they'd well, wheel me off stage. That's hilarious. So you were always really conceptual. You really kept the spirit of that Kaufman thing going outside of not... The audiences liked you, and you let them, but you still got pretty weird. Yeah, I mean, I did stuff that... Yeah, that... You know, but even like, you know, I was on a comic relief, and I dressed up as Christ and did magic tricks. You yeah. know, as the amazing Christ. Yeah. Now, I wasn't in the character. I was like, I go, hi, you know, water to wine, wine yeah. to water, tap the deck, and back to rice again <laughs> hi i'm the amazing christo i don't claim to be christ merely an illusionist with the ability to recreate some of his most show-stopping and startling routines and you know i did magic tricks as christ people were so mad i remember that there was a woman that had a sign that said i heart bobcat and she was up in the balcony yeah. and as i ate shit as i bombed with christo yes yeah, christo yeah i see the the <laughs> i see her i heart bobcat sign going lower and no, lower no, yeah yeah much no, like the real God. christ <laughs> you were with the galilean <laughs> so so and i remember billy crystal i really ate shit yeah. i was walking by billy goes you got some big balls <laughs> And I remember Marissa Tomei wouldn't, was like giving yeah. me a bad attitude because I, yeah, like the makeup woman wouldn't put, like I had a beard and long hair and then I had like this Bob Mackie Christ offended. outfit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But she has no problem showing her cans and dropping the fucking laundry, but I'm, I'm well, a pro. Well, Catholics are weird. You yeah. Know that. Yeah. I know that. Trust me. Yeah. So I, I think it's always kind of funny, like people who, who, uh, you know, the, the Jesus thing, but whatever. What are you going to so, do? So there was that time though, because I remember when I saw you when you, you lost a lot of weight, you were almost emaciated. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like you were, a little aidsy. Yeah, but you, there was almost like uh, you had a sort of um, spite against the character. Like you, I think you seem to have found some happy medium because you have a certain yeah. amount of self acceptance. But there was a time there where you're like, not only am I not going to do it, <laughs> that, that, I'm going to do Pauly Shore's character. Yeah, wait, whatever. I'm going to really hurt you. No, I uh, no, I I didn't. Um, yeah, well, it's it's um, it's it's a weird thing, you know. And yeah. and. and I made decisions as a young man that most comedians make in their 30s, you know, in my early 20s, you know, what I've done, Police Academy, I don't know. You know, I've, I've jokingly said that I'd like to do a short where uh, uh, the 48-year-old me time travels back and talks to 22-year-old out well, of what doing would you Police say? Academy. I, well, I know the 22-year-old Bobcat would tell me to go fuck myself anyway. So. Well, what, did you, was there any hesitation at that time? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Based on what? Sure. I just knew, I go, Police Academy, I don't watch these movies. You, you were know? in the first one, though. I was in, uh, no, I was in two. Okay. The first one's shit. Two, it gets really good. No, I was no, I was in two, three, and four. Okay, so you knew the franchise. And I knew, you, and, and yeah. you knew you were gonna yeah. and, because I remember seeing. And I had you, pay, I had managers going, "You do it; it's not gonna affect your career. It doesn't." Now, on the other side of it, maybe it did help. Maybe like now, that's what's still paying the bills. When I go into a small venue and people don't know, you know, not familiar. I mean, most people aren't familiar that I do do stand up. I mean, I know you do in, in comics and stuff, but. But even a lot of young comics don't know. Do but I, wait, but that, but that, the meat CD. What was it? Raw, raw. Uh, uh, meat, meat, Bob. Meat, Bob. I mean, that was yeah. a big record. I mean, was it not? It was. Uh, it was kind of funny. You know, uh, I'll tell this story because uh, I, um, you know, I, I toured with Nirvana. I opened right. for Nirvana, and and uh, and Kurt had that record pretty memorized. So right. when I was opening for him, when I was doing anything from that record, he's like, oh, "That's old material," and I'm like, "Why don't you write a new album?" You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was he like? He's very, very sweet to me. He and I got along really well. You know, yeah. I, I, um, 
I met him at a college radio station in Ann Arbor when they had made Bleach, and right. he wanted to meet me, which was really Because he weird. was a fan of that record. He wanted to interview me, yeah. so there was this tape floating around. If someone ever has it, let me know. It's just, Do that, is it out I, there? Well, he, I don't know, but it's like he's interviewing me, he's just mumbling, and I'm going, ah! yeah, yeah. so he's asking questions from a paper bot. So he, he loved your comedy. Well, I know, and people go, really? It's like finding out like that you know, Jimi Hendrix was a big Buddy Hackett fan, sure. but, but but yeah, he, he was down with it, and-, and and, uh, it makes sense. You were pretty punk rock. I mean, you had that sensibility. Well, I mean, when you started. I mean, you, so you know. so he, he yeah. So so I did a date with Cheap Trick, which was pretty funny because they go uh, they 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 in get, Japan. No, but they, I was <laughs> I went on, then they go on it, and then they go, hey, do you want to go out and do the encore? It's uh, Surrender, and they give me a guitar, and I go awesome, and I go uh, I get on stage, and I go to Rick Nielsen, I go, what key is this in? And he goes, you're not plugged in, man. <laughs> So I'm doing these Pete Townsend windmills yeah, yeah. across the stage and yeah. duck walking. I couldn't fucking move after that. But Kurt had heard that that I did these rock shows, so so he asked if I wanted to to try to MC or you know go on. And so I did it in uh, I did the first one was in Chicago. Which this story is and this is I'm not proud of the story. Okay. Because I don't think I would say this kind of thing now. But it was when Michael Jordan had retired from. Uh, basketball, yeah. and none of us are jocks, so we yeah. don't know what the fuck's going on. We right. show up in Chicago. It says, "Michael, we still love you." All these signs on yeah, the yeah. you know yards and stuff, and so I get on stage and I go, "Hey, I feel bad for Michael Jordan, but for forty million dollars a year, I'd shoot my own dad in the fucking head." <laughs> and there was a noise <laughs> yeah, yeah. that wasn't booing; it was just ah! like, 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 "Fuck you, kill him." Yeah. Like, and I just go, oh, fuck you, punk rockers. Like, your mom and dad dropped you off in yeah, fucking yeah, minivans. Yeah. Right. You could suck it. I'll talk yeah. all night. You'll never see your precious Nirvanas. And the only person laughing is Kurt, That's of great. course, when I walk by him. He's like, I can't believe you said that, man. You know? <laughs> so, so we would. Oh, uh, fuck. I remember. So you just bombed. You just tanked it out. So most of the time, I would yeah. eat shit. Like, you know, and, and the, the, I remember once I was talking to the, it's funny, uh, Marilyn Manson ended up doing a video similar to this, but we were talking about videos, and, and uh, Kurt wanted to do the, the video for All Apologies was just going to be him drunk with a gun at a, a party. And he said, well, MTV won't let me use guns. And I wanted it to be, I go, well, look, you're the most misunderstood person in that song, so how about if you're Lee Harvey, you know? So the song is you're looking right in the lens, and you're singing, and you're assembling what we think is a gun, and 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 then, you know, you shoot, Kennedy, which would be Chris and Dave, one of them as Jackie O. And uh, and he goes, but we can't use guns. I go, no, here's the thing. It's going to be a pie. So you throw a pie down and you and the meringue will be the back of Kennedy's head getting blown off. And he lit up and he starts laughing. He goes, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Did they and, do the, it? and the road manager goes, you two don't get to travel together anymore. <laughs> 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 but I repelled a nude from the roof of the Oakland Coliseum on New Year's because it was the year Bill Graham had passed away, and right. he used to come down as Baby New Year's or something like yeah, that I during can't the Grateful remember, yeah. Dead. So I was like, you know, and by the way, I ate shit a lot open for Nirvana, and and people are always like, you know, hecklers and all. It's like I got hit with M80s. What year was that? I don't know. It was their last tour, so was that like ninety five, ninety six? All right, so like you were in, you were already sort of like on a you know your career you know oh, you definitely sort of peaked on the way down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, not, yeah, as a stand up shirt, certainly. Right. So I would go out, and sometimes it'd go well, but but it'd almost be like if it went well. Then were you I, doing the character? Then I would no, but I definitely yeah, yeah. I think like you know there's like different levels. It's yeah, like yeah. you start eating shit, and all of a sudden <laughs> you know it comes back. <laughs> 
like, hey, to save the day. Hey, here it is. Remember this? Aga, aga, aga. I'm not going to do that character. That's a, that's a stupid persona. Unless sweat activates yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except when you get have, uh, getting hit in the head with Bibles and M80s. I got hit with a teenager once. They successfully threw a kid out of the pit. And I was in my knees buckle. And there's this little kid crab walking off stage. So, so... Uh, I go to I go to uh, Kurt. I go, you know, fuck you. I'm tired of being your scatter. You know that was yeah. Elvis's chimp scatter. Yeah, yeah. I go, I'd you call Pauly Shore or something yeah. and have him cheer you up. And, yeah. uh, and so we were at uh, that. Did he college. laugh at that? Sure. Yeah. Right. Like like he, he was. I guess we were friends in a weird way. Like when he went on stage, he'd often give me his wallet and things to hold. Oh yeah. Was that strange? No. I don't know why. <laughs> no. I well, John Cusack made that mistake during one crazy summer. Apparently, I forgot this story and I ordered a bunch of shit off the line. <laughs> I mean, on TV because yeah, like I was in there, th- thigh masters being delivered to our hotel in Freedom Rock. Freedom Rock. <laughs> yeah, just cases and cases of that shit because Cusack left his card out. So um, so so we're at the. Oakland Coliseum, and the 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 they're they're trying to explain everyone because we're gonna it's New Year's so we're gonna have bombs going off sure. it's gonna be a big deal and and uh, they make out of the, it's right out of Spinal Tap they make out of the lunch meat the band stand like okay here's the drum riser here's the, out of food and stuff yeah, yeah. and the bombs were like M and M's or something and yeah don't stand here guys it's really serious <laughs> shit you know so um so I'm gonna repel a nude. And uh, I, I like how vain I am. Like, like I still wore a hat. Like, I had no problem with people seeing my cock, yeah, but uh, not my balding pate. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm, I'm horizontal at at New Year's. They go and they say, "Well, Kurt, you count down to ten or something. We'll tell you when." So I'm holding my whole weight on a on a repelling cable, and um, and he just goes, "Hey, Oakland, you want a drum solo?" <laughs> Up and I'm giving him the fucking brown eye. Yeah. Then finally he just goes one, and I slide down. I I got a rope right on my ass and stomach, and I bam, I landed right behind him. And but I did learn this: if you're naked at midnight, you don't get a kiss. Like there was like a like a diameter all around me. Like nobody. And you young comics or anybody who wants to be nude publicly, uh, give it a tug. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna thank me later on. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some photos of that night. And I'm not really a little retracted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, well, there's some guys do nude comedy. They have nude comedy shows now. Really? Yeah, like regular stand up, all nude. I saw it in Edinburgh. I don't, I don't have the guts to do. But it. is there? Uh, do they talk about their body? No, or I mean, they just, they just like, do. Um, they do stand up naked. And like as they keep as they bomb, does it go in? I have no does idea. Does it retract? I, I just couldn't handle it. I couldn't go. I didn't want to be part of it. Nude comedy. Yeah, just nude stand up. Just nuding it up. Yeah, I, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Right, so so there was the okay so you did the the police academy movies and then there was the uh, the one with Dabney Coleman what was that called oh uh, it's called we don't it's the name the movie that doesn't know. have a name in my house my okay. daughter didn't even know the name of that movie oh, okay. it, it was always called that fucking horse movie yeah <laughs> she thought it, H to T hot the trot right yeah that was the that was the the the, the end of my career it was, it was that, that was the death knell the yeah death. yeah I found the script recently and it was really funny I had a manager at the time and I and I had written across the script why would I do this and he wrote a <laughs> I remember when that came out, and I I remember I went to see it. Ooh, we were all rooting for you. Ooh, well yeah. I I you know I I uh, that was a horrible experience making that movie, but 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 you know it was something recently um, a friend of my wife's had had kind of pitched a show that she would star in, and I said I'm going to tell you something that no one ever told me. Don't do it. 
because you money's not money comes and goes doesn't really matter you're the one that's gonna have to talk about it if it's a hit you're the one that's gonna have to talk about it if it's a bomb you know it, it, your friends that are pitching you if they're your real friends they, they care about you and they're gonna understand it you know you can say no but like a lot of people operate with a career and you just say yes because or or I I'd never thought of myself in terms of like like a five-year plan i just said yes to whatever came along and, and they'll talk you into it too and also you know you get in this it's whole trap movie. you know you it's start a... making money and you got bills hey you got to buy a house and tax yeah. rate blah 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 you know and and the way i live my life now is is completely the opposite you know i i i really just stopped doing things i wouldn't watch so you hit the wall you hit that you did that movie and that that was the end of it and you had a lot of money and then you went through the divorce right well i i I had to feed this beast that it was a lot of money that was being spent. You were living, you were living high in the hog. But not really, if you know me. I mean, the most expensive thing I probably had was fancy cigars. You know, sure. I, I, I uh, those aren't that expensive. And and I would, uh, I, I, yeah. There was this big machine, a lot of money going out, and uh, and I was just, you know, everything. You Between know? houses, cars, I was the voice wives. Of a, Voice of a dirty rabbit, uh, you know, right. paying for schools, uh, you know, which I'm glad. You know, that's the one thing I look back and 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 I feel like, well, there there was money well spent. You know, yeah. my stepson and my daughter, you know, got a good education, but um, the rest of the stuff is really silly. You know, yeah, I'm with somebody now who just like you know, like I've written. A, a bunch of movies, but the last two movies I made were at Sundance. I don't think people know that, but but um, and the one was. She read the script and she's like, "This is a good script. We should make it." I go, "Well, I don't have any money." She goes, "Well, we'll just make it." And people, and that's how we did it. Which we, one? It's called Sleeping Dogs Lie. We got a crew from Craigslist. We shot it in two weeks when I was on hiatus from Kimmel, and then it went on to Sundance, and it was crazy, you know. And then the the that's how we do it. You know, we're about to start a new movie right now, actually. Well, so you were the first director at Kimmel. No, there was a couple before me, but I was there for uh, over like 300 some shows. Now, when you like this period in time where you sort of fell out of the public eye and you went through whatever, you know, travails you went through with divorce and going broke and whatnot, or if you really ever went completely broke, I mean, what what were you thinking? I mean, was, was there fucking dark nights of the soul for Christ's sake? I mean, well, I never went completely broke, but you, you, you I got to the point where, um, you know, you you, 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 know, I'm, I'm hosting a goddamn game show. You know what I mean? I'm doing the voice of a dirty rabbit on the fucking WB. I'm just <laughs> doing whatever you have to do. You know, and it's, and and it's, and I'm surrounded by people that tell me that I would miss stand up and that I, you know, I mean, they just we, wanted you to get out there. Yeah, and so Make now, money. and now, and then, uh, you know, everything changed. But I, I jokingly say this, but it's true. I retired from comedy at this precise time. They stopped hiring me, so it worked out really well. And when did you do shakes? Um, Shakes was in the middle of all that, you know, but Shakes is a, is a, you know, all, I didn't finance Shakes. That's a common, uh, And that was the first movie though, right? Yeah, that was the first. I made a short before that, that David Spade's in and Kathy Griffin. Yeah. Before Kathy was known or anything. Yeah. It's called The Making of Bikini School 3. Yeah. And then I made Shakes, which in my head, you know, I was really angry. I don't make excuses for it because Shakes does have its fans. It's really funny. Like no, I, I saw it's a movie about stand up, really. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, and 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 like Tom Kenny and I, we just uh, and Robin and a couple other people from Shakes, we went and they had a, a, a they played it at at the at the silent movie house in, in L A here and. Uh, and it was packed, and there was people that had the dialogue memorized, and there was women dressed up as clown whores. And and I felt like that sketch with Shatner on yeah. Star Trek, where I wanted to go get a life. 
<laughs> they were trying to make the new Rocky Horror. I don't know. Tom Kenny and I leaned over and looked at each other in the middle of the movie going, what the fuck were we thinking? I, go, I don't know. <laughs> Look what we've unleashed. <laughs> well, it must have been flattering on some level. Oh, I'm glad that it, it, it has its fans. But like... um. I, I don't think in the terms of the movies I make and like this one's going to reestablish me. You know, I really just make these things because I write them and they come out of me. And, and you direct them. And I direct and them. And you had an interest in that. so you, you And I'm mean. not in them. Oh, more than anything. I mean, th- this is what interests me more than anything. It's the thing I really love doing the most. Now, when you directed television, I mean, that was like a job. I mean, TV directing is different, right? Yeah, but still it was it was fulfilling. I mean, like when, when I would go out and shoot a, a bit with Kimmel and, and it would make it to the air and people laughed, that was really really great how did you get that job or did you jimmy ever... jimmy you know jimmy's an old friend still is you know and then and then um but i also worked a little bit on the Chappelle show and then i made a movie for jimmy called windy city heat which has its so you, fans too so you really transitioned into director you know, yeah pretty thorough yeah i mean like successfully right and the second movie was the dog movie <laughs> yeah yeah sleeping dogs lie it was called Stay when we were at Sundance. I didn't see that movie. Also known as the Dog Blowjob movie. Right. Yeah, but it's not about dog blowjobs. I mean, you, yeah, no, I know <laughs> it's that. not an exploration of bestiality even. Right. But I just needed something that someone had in their past that they couldn't get past. Right. And when we were at Sundance, I had not seen the movie in front of a full audience yet. Yeah. I, I hadn't seen it in more than 10 people. So I'm sitting in this theater, and the incident happens where there's the, the tasteful amount of bestiality just yeah. <laughs> just enough just, <laughs> just enough a, just the yeah a, a, you know what it is a, a, a spice yeah so that scene starts off and this woman's behind me and she wants to leave and, and she her, she's trying to pull her friend out of the theater it's packed and she's trying to pull her friend out and then about an hour later that same woman was crying watching the movie and um my daughter goes look at your friend now and i look and my daughter goes yeah you cry bitch you cry <laughs> <laughs> so um, that movie, yeah. even more than the one I did with Robin, World's Greatest Dad, it, it, it seems to, when it works for people, they do tend to cry a lot at that. It's a, it's an, a kind of emotional movie. It's, it's, uh, it, it's uh, I don't know. And, and then the one I made with Robin is another movie, and that's more about me becoming an adult. You know, uh, you know about two days in, Robin goes, I'm playing you, right? I go, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> And he's always been a friend of yours, right? Yeah, we've known each other since I, I met him when I was nineteen. But uh, we've been been friends probably since I was like about twenty, twenty one. He's a very sweet guy. He's the best. You know, he's uh, you know he he read the screenplay for World's Greatest Dad, thinking he was going to help me out and play a small part and help it get made. And then he said, "Hey, man, could I play Lance? You know, who is the lead?" And I was like, "Yeah." And then I did do this. Like, I go, "Is he going to listen to me? You know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, right, right. am I going to say, Williams, yeah. yeah, I'm going to say, hey, let's do it again. Just do this one really quiet.'" And he's going to say. Hey, uh, I have an Oscar, and you were in Hot to Trot. Yeah. I think we're going to fucking do it my way. <laughs> but he was amazing to work with. He really was. You He's know? a very and, gr- uh, gracious guy. And yeah. then all my friends you know, are in that one. And, and this new one we're gearing up to do, I'm bringing a, 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 about 99% of the gang back, too. Who? Name them. Oh, like Tom Kenny, uh, Joe Talley. Joel still, Murray's going to be in it. He's going to be the lead. You still use Kramer? Uh, I haven't, but that's a good idea. I mean, you know, see, I'm just bringing. Oh, we're throwing out names. I'm yeah. available. I'll put the I'll put the band back together. <laughs> do you Maybe talk? you don't want to be in this yeah. one. How do you know? The last one, bestiality and autoerotic fixation. I, I like to. I just would like to see. Like, I've only done one small bit in a movie, and I and I thought like I, <laughs> I, like paging Mr. Herman. No, no, it was a little better. <laughs> I did. Uh, I was in Almost Famous. I was the angry oh, okay. angry promoter. I went. You know, I had a, one scene. But when I watched myself on camera on in the movie theater, I wasn't like, oh, fuck. Because a lot of times I'll watch other people, and I'm very right. critical of myself. But especially with comics, a lot of times I can, I can see them trying to act because right. I know them. 
And I was really just being myself for the most part. And I thought I fit the screen pretty well. But I think I, 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 I learned a lot about directing comics and, and through, you know, I was on Larry Sanders and, and Shandling would go, all right, well, let's just do it again. This and that. And I'm going, were we rolling? You know, yeah, yeah, we'll just do it. You know what like I mean? Like you didn't and, even know. Like, and not that quit. big thing, you know. Right, right. And uh, I remember like the day it was over. You were directing or you just on no, the No, I was just on the show, you know. Right. Like I was going to, I ran into Shandling and I wanted to throw up on Regis and, and uh, Kathy Lee. That was in real life. That's what I was going to do. Yeah. <laughs> and so. I was going to have like a big grand slam or something and yeah. then bring Epicac and a coffee mug and then go and get her going about like. Is this a real thing? or Yeah, this, a- this is real. Like I was going to go tell them, you know, like, go, hey, how's Cody? And then take a swig and then and then throw up. On I thought, live television. If I could, yeah, if yeah. I could hit both of them, that'd be awesome, right? Yeah. And I tell Shandling, they just go, oh, that's great. Can you put it on the show? And I'm like, no, but I really want to do it. <laughs> so then we tell that story on Shandling. Then I go to do the show and they go, um... They patted me down and they found the bottle of Epicac. I go, hey man, that was just a bit. I didn't. And then they go, oh really? What's this? <laughs> oh, oh no. So I go out on the show and they go, we're gonna give you a fire extinguisher because I'd set Leno on fire, uh-huh. you know, and his show on fire. And uh, and, they, <laughs> and so I just take the fire extinguisher, pull the pin out, and just just hit the two of them. And he ran off the air, and I and I shot it out of her skirt. And they said it was the largest spike ever in the history of the show. It was just really, like, yeah, yeah. It was just like everyone said, "Get in here, that yeah. fucking nut!" <laughs> he's, he's going crazy. Do you miss doing that stuff? Um, no, not really. I mean, it's it, it's. It, I think it came out of a frustration of of not wanting. Believe it or not, two things: one, not wanting to be on those shows anymore when I wasn't promoting anything, yeah. and two. I think it was also almost like because they were making it uh, uh, available to me. Right. You know, Leno right. wanted me on the show because I had gone on. And, and, you know, I was very self-destructive then. It was like, you know, how how dare you like me, you know? What uh, was that coming from? Just because of the character still? No, it was my big ego, you know? It was like this idea that he should have had me on before. But the real real down deep, it was I was afraid of being accepted on, on a mass level in America because I've always considered that you were doing something wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure, it's the uh, the sellout integrity. But the know. reality of it is, is like when. But it's not what it is. Is 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 when you are accepted or when you are making stuff, then you really had a. You know, you got to put the the tire to the, uh, you know, to the asphalt. You know, it's like it's like comics who go on stage and spend all their time talking about who's a hack and who's this, who's that, sure. and I'm like. Hey, man, why don't you write some material? No, that's true. But it's just interesting to me that, like, you know, given that you still had that sense of of uniqueness and integrity, yet, you know, you must have had a fairly large bag of self-hatred for some of the decisions you made on top of it. Of course. Of so, course. How dare you hire me? <laughs> right. I fucking hurt you hard. <laughs> so the, the, the I remember when I got hired at the WB, within the first day, I, I told the guy that ran the network uh, that I was going to kick him in the cunt. <laughs> And I and I use that language because I, I go well. He can't sue me. He doesn't go. He doesn't really have a vagina. Yeah. So, but in the meantime, if the guy at craft service said I worked with Bobcat Goldthwait, I didn't like him. That would kill me. Right. That would make me want to jump off a building. So a lot of it wasn't. I've got the inverted thing that no, most, no, I get it. The I get schmooze it. chromosome is 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 inverted in me. But but the weird thing about well yeah because you know those are real people in your mind. Uh, you, you know the other people are just people that exploit you and if, and and it forces you to make decisions that made you hate yourself. Yeah. All right. So that's okay. Then maybe I shouldn't beat myself up too bad. No, no, I understand <laughs> it. But I, I just think it's interesting that that a lot of this, you know, insanity and the self-destruction thing, you know, just came out of this this anger 
for for this like industry that basically you know on some level turns you out. Right, but also had been pretty goddamn nice to me too. But were Wait, you he, thinking that at the time? No, no, no. But I also I don't. I, I'm sincere here, man. Yeah. I don't even know what I was angry about yeah. when I was. You know, when you're 20, 22, yeah. I was just furious. Yeah, man. yeah no, I you know. know. And furious, and it, and some of it was. You know, that's the problem with celebrity bashing. What you're really saying is, fuck you, I should be famous, or fuck you, I should be rich. You right. know what I mean? You know, I... I, I kind of, or just say, like, why, but out of the same place, because I have to do the same thing. It's like, I, you know, I spent a lot of time on stage defying audiences to like me. Of course. You know, which is what you did, but you found a character which they genuinely liked. That you, like there was part of you that was like you could have went oh fuck you in the, in that voice of and were like eh! it's still it's still that but it, this is pretty funny like sometimes I've noticed like when I'm talking about things that not going over I, I will point out to the audience that like you know if I did it in that persona they'd be fine with like you know a woman should have the right to have a safe abortion yeah. you know and they laugh and cheer right, right. yeah because <laughs> the delivery system is what's funny it's the, yeah they're okay yeah they think oh he's not really serious you know or it's, like yeah but you know I will say this I don't. You know, performing in like like the alternative comedy rooms, and I hate that term, but performing them and then going up and then being accepted is one thing. But like when I'm going out and doing stand up, you know, I'm in the I'm in like you know I was in a bowling alley in Washington State and the eastern part of the state this weekend, and I was still saying you know hey teabaggers, and there was clearly people who were sure. Tea Party members, and they were like woo, and I was like yeah you know well you are a racist organization that's it's fine. You know, I uh, clearly what what it is is like. Um, you, where were you during the Clinton administration? I was like, clearly, it was like uh, racists needed new words to call the president. So yeah. they're like, he's a, you're a socialist. Yeah. W- what's a socialist? I don't know, but I know they like fried chicken. Right. You know. <laughs> so, and does that go over? Yeah, get mad. You know, I had like uh, people getting mad at me. You know, but but I I mean I don't I still try to. Uh, do the stuff that 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 I I'm not compromising myself. Well, but, but that's interesting because like the, in the same sense that the the anger was you know you could have been saying what you really felt in the character, but they wouldn't see past the character. But uh, but I was too. That's right. The other that's thing. what I mean. I'm hoping people. Here's the thing. I hope people who go to the show enjoy the enjoyed the show, but I hope they didn't swallow every fucking thing I had to say. Well, yeah, and it's also interesting that I you don't want to lead a a, a a bun rally. I want I want people to go. Oh, I like that. Think joke. about it differently. No, oh, I didn't yeah, like that right, joke. Sure. Oh, you know, I mean, I, I don't. Well, I think one of the reasons you're so comfortable now is that uh, you know you're sort of uh, you you have self acceptance and you're also being more true to yourself. You were not in any way. Hackneyed. Your your heroes were all, were interesting rebel comedians. You know. Yeah, and, I mean, and, I love like Carlin. I love right. uh, You know, all but, the but, all the biggies. But prior even but even stuff. Kaufman and 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 whoever you were, you know, sort of gunning yeah. at when you were you, you you dug the absurdity. Sure. And you were always taking sort of the higher road on an artistic level. And it seems to me that you know, in talking to you, that at some point you became a hostage of this character. Well, and also just like I would never address things like like uh, uh, Kinison would say that I, I I stole my act from him or something. It's like I, I what 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 joke. What thing in my act did I steal from him? But because I, I just thought that was so absurd, I never... Do you know what I mean? It's like... it's like There was some weird feud. Like, he was up... Well, like, he had you know, a feud because, you yeah. know, he's coked he's cr- up and yeah, he's not... No, he, you know, he invented yeah. everything. Yeah. I invented interchangeable parts, yeah, you know. No, I'm, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I invented water. Steve Pearl used to do a joke about that when I was... I used to say, when you're coming up, Steve, he goes, why, do you listen to Sam invented the printing press and water? You know, <laughs> so, so... So I made the mistake of being popular at the same time, but I mean, my act, yeah, he screamed and I screamed, but I kind of think, I never really saw his act. I think he was a little 
influenced by me at one point, and I think he had a hard time living with that. And so, and because I didn't like challenge him and say, fuck you, I'm the king of screaming comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. number one, because he was pursuing things that I never thought was important. You know, chasing after celebrities and having your picture taken with porn stars. Yeah. You're the king of screaming? Yeah, what yeah, the yeah. fuck? You yeah, know, yeah. it just seems so infantile. The other day I was at Staples, and there's, I'm like, who the fuck <laughs> in 2011 yeah. would dress like a fat Dice Clay? Right. And I go, oh, it's Dice, Dice Clay. Oh, so there's Dice. He's talking about Staples. He talks it's about Staples. going to Staples. And he's in Staples, and I'm like looking at him, and I'm like, and he's like got the leather coat on. Sure. And he's like, I need three hold paper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh dear Jesus. Did you like, say hi to him? I, I tried to take a picture with him, and then I was thinking this would be awesome if like Emo was trying to take a picture of me taking a picture of Dice Clay. Right. Like it'd be really meta. <laughs> right, but but on some level, do you, at this point in your in your life, I mean, do you see yourself? I mean, you know, Dice was a huge star. Sam was a huge star. You were a huge comedy star. I mean, is there still like, can you accept that Dice did his dicing and and that's and oh that's no, the Dice was popular. It was fine. I mean, what 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 I I found absurd was that he needed the people at and Staples to know that he was still Dice Clay. That's what was absurd to me. That's what made me sad and weird. You know what I mean? It'd be like me walking around there going, you know. I mean. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm making a musical right now with uh -huh. Ray Davis of the Kinks. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's and it's um it's this isn't the movie I'm starting right now, but it's one that I've been trying to get going, and, and it will get going. It's on a, on a really good track. It's an album from the '70s. It's something I want to do since Which I was one? 13 years old. It's called Schoolboys in the Scrapes. It was based on the Preservation albums. Yeah. Now. And, and Ray and I get along. And it's like here's this hero of mine, and it's very very exciting. Yeah. But, you know when. When people approach Ray about things, the, Ray's about waking up today and writing a new song. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, he's not. He doesn't hate Lola. Yeah, you know what I mean. But yeah. you know what I mean. And and I can relate to that. He'd probably oh, rather not play it. I, I don't know. But yeah. he's too busy thinking about his yeah, new yeah. song he wrote today. Sure. And that's where I'm at. You know, I'm like writing screenplays, and I, and 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 often I'm even writing a new one while I'm, I'm starting another one. So and, what's the what's the uh, one you're beginning work on? A, uh, can you give us a taste? Yeah, or? I mean, uh, I feel pretty safe with most of the ideas I come up with to 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 talk about them occasionally. I, I did have one taken recently, and even that didn't get me too angry. Right. That's pretty funny. But um, I um, it's this uh. <laughs> There's a guy whose life is horrible, and he's like a middle-aged dude, and he's sitting at home, and he's got a kid that's young, and she is divorced, and he and the kid doesn't want anything to do with the dad, and the kid, dad's life is shit. He gets fired because he gives flowers to this woman at work, and she doesn't feel safe in the workplace anymore, oh, yeah. cause, and, mm. and just everything. He's just, you know, and, and he may or may not have a brain tumor, and his life is fucking horrible. Yeah. And he's sitting at home, and he's watching that a show like that, My Super Sweet 16. I don't know if you've ever seen that, no. but it's like... 16 year old horrible rich cunts and they get like a car and they go you gave me the wrong car which oh, is right, it's, right. It's, so I'm sure some of it's cooked but it's still horrible horrible thing to put out in the yeah. world and so this guy's sitting there and he's watching this show and he drives from Syracuse to Virginia and he kills that girl and then uh, one of the girl's uh, classmates is like did you kill Chloe and he doesn't say anything and she goes awesome <laughs> <laughs> and they just take off and they start killing people. So, like, people say that my last two movies were dark, and I always say that they weren't, and I really don't think they were dark. But this one is dark. I, I feel it's dark. But do you see it as a comedy? I, 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 I'm, I'm assuming folks will laugh, but I don't really concern myself, and this sounds pretentious, but I don't really concern myself with that when I'm making them, when I'm writing them. It's more like 
Like, uh, I know, like, if you're, if we're, if we're really sincere and playing this stuff to the bone, it'll get a laugh. Like the movie with Robin, like, I didn't know what would get laughs. And all of a sudden, these scenes that I thought were on the bubble or I wasn't going to put in, yeah. or, or, and they've got huge laughs and things like that. So I just kind of just try to tell these stories. I look at all these stories as like fables. I don't ever think of the movies that I make as like accurate slice of life. So I, I think of them as, I have I have a a a, a very simple thing I want to say at, at the end and 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 you know maybe someday I'll do a biopic and things like that and then I'll be a little more true truthful. But oh, that's interesting. So it's not really about capturing a reality. It's about telling a story with with a sort of uh, morally challenging um, things idea. And, and, and and I use and I use like the first the main characters I usually mm-hmm. play them as very real people and then. The, the lesser characters get a little goofier and and you know and I think of movies like um you know I mean whatever like Billy Wilder movies and, yeah, and, yeah. and those kind of movies you know I use that kind of I think in the back of my head a little bit maybe well I'm glad you're doing well man it was great talking to you awesome your show's amazing well thank you thank you for coming Bobby That's it. That's our show. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Bobcat. I am uh, in the future in Melbourne, Australia. I am taping a live WTF here in Melbourne, and I am going to interview, I believe, a couple of Australian comics, so you'll get that coming. Just know that I'm doing okay and that I am in the future, and the future is fine. Also, remember JustCoffee.coop because we love them. Pow. Can't do it. Not drinking coffee. The coffee here is fucking amazing. I'm drinking a Diet Coke and eating Vegemite on a rice cake. That's what I'm doing. Go to the WTF Pod Shop and pick up some of those episodes if you uh, if you don't have them. And you want to download them and own them. Louis C.K. Parts 1 and 2, Judd Apatow Parts 1 and 2, Ben Stiller, Attell, Dane Cook, Andy Richter, Carlos Mencia, Robin Williams, and all those live at comic specials are available at WTFPodShop.com. Go to WTFPod.com. Get on the mailing list. I'm, I'm very diligent about that. Buy some shirts if you'd like. Get a WTF mug, some special edition posters. We're running a full a WTF empire right here. Pick up that app. Did you get the app for the iPad, iPod Touch, iPhone, Droid? Or you can go to the, uh, the site itself. Go to, uh, go to WTF Pod, choose the no iTunes option, and you can sign up for the premium at the site and stream all of the original WTF episodes. Enough plugging. I'm going to go out into the Melbourne day, Melbourne day, and perhaps go to St. Kilda and walk along the water and take things in. That's what I'm going to do. It's so great to be away. I've been writing a lot. All right, I'm rambling. We done here? Are we done here?